seeing as Parashas Vayakil speaks about the mitzvah of Shabbos and also summarizes the elements that were contributed in order to make the Mishkan, it's an appropriate time for us to have a look at laws associated with Hashem's home, the Beis Amikdash, and the laws of Shabbos. And we're going to look at the end of the Rambam's laws of Hilchus Beis Abachira, the laws of the Beis Amikdash, as he concludes the final chapter of that section, in which the Rambam describes the honor guard that the Kohanim and Levim had to stand, so to speak, Guarding the base Amigdash. So, after the Rambam describes in the 11th halacha, about the early morning check that the Kohanim would do, carrying two torches of fire, every single morning, in the early morning before dawn, but close to dawn, so as they had to do a sweep of the entire courtyard of the base Amigdash, to see that everything was as it should be. Then, then the Rambam concludes in a separate halacha, halacha number 12, as follows. This is exactly what the Kohanim would do every night, early, early morning. Except for Friday nights or early Shabbos morning. Because then they would not carry the torches when they went on their uh, checking of the Azara. But they would use the light of those lanterns or torches that had already been lit before Shabbos happened. So we do a The Mephoshim ask a question about this. What's the problem? We know that anything which is a rabbinical restriction on Shabbos does not apply inside the Beis Amikdash. Kips Rambam Bechabam as Rambam has already illustrated numerous times to us. Now, carrying a torch of fire on Shabbos is a rabbinic restriction. The Torah only doesn't allow us to ignite those fires. If that's the case, why on Friday evenings or early Shabbos morning did the Kohanim have to behave differently? That they could not use the torches they would carry and had to rely instead on the tapers that were along the walls of the Azara already from before Shabbos. So that's the question. We're going to look at a, an answer suggested by the Kesef Mishnah and then we'll look at a different answer as well. So first of all, the Kesef Mishnah explains the Shaina Hoche that this is different. When we say Ein Migdash, that's typically where you don't really have an alternative and you've got to do this procedure in this particular way on Shabbos, so therefore we override the rabbinic restriction. Whereas, yeah, they could have planned differently. The Efsher, right? It's, there was another way. Veneris had looking of Shabbos. They could have used those tapers that were on the walls from before Shabbos. So why then permit them to carry torches and therefore they don't? Meyachar. Because there's a way to search the Azara without transgressing a rabbinic restriction, as I ain't material we don't permit them that particular leeway. The problem is our there's a problem that a number of the commentaries raise against the Kesem Mishnah, and that is we see other examples where there were alternate ways to do things, and yet the Rambam does not insist that we don't do what could be a shvus, because there's an alternative. A glaring example is the Rambam's ruling with regards to how they proceeded in the base Amigdash and Yom Kippur. That if the Kohen God was an elderly person or an ill person, then they would heat up these rods of iron um, in the evening. And then the following day on Yom Kippur, they would lower these warm or possibly still hot rods into the water to make the water lukewarm because it shouldn't be too cold for the elderly or sick koyen. And he says, clearly that's because that would only be a rabbinic prohibition and that's not a problem in the Beis Amigdash. 
Even though there are alternatives, without transgressing anything. Dr. Rambam himself gives another suggestion. Pour some warm water into the mikveh to dilute the cold water, and that should work. Another example, Zosviyot. Pasuk Rambam, the Rambam also told us about the avoid of Yom Kippur. If the Kohen Gadol starts dozing off during the night of Yom Kippur, where he is supposed to stay up the whole night, so then the Levim would come and click their fingers to wake him. Ah, even though that's something you're not supposed to do on Shabbos. As the Rambam clearly tells us in the laws of Shabbos, and there are other ways you could have woken the Kohen Gadol or got his attention so he doesn't doze off. There are other ways to keep the Kohen Gadol awake. So, the case of Mishnah's suggestion that we prefer not to do something which transgresses a shvus, if there's an alternative, doesn't seem to be the Rambam's view because he offers us two suggestions of doing something which is clearly a shvus when there were other options. So, maybe there's an easy distinction that we could draw. And that is, The principle which is that there is no concern or worry about things which are a if you're in the base HaMikdash, even if there's an alternative way to do it. Maybe that's only if it's something which is an unusual or temporary state, like a Koyan who's dozing off. So if you have an unusual circumstance and the way to fix it is by breaking a shvuz, go ahead. Use the example of the elderly or the sickly koyen gadol. That's not a common state. Or the koyen gadol is dozing off on Yom Kippur night, which is also not frequent. That's when we'll allow a person to do a shvus in order to facilitate what needs to be done in the base. Even if there are alternatives. Right? Because, in other words, the normal way that a koyen goes into the mikveh or stays up through the night does not transgress a shvus. And occasionally you'll have to pull out this particular heter, this allowance, in order to facilitate uh, uh, emergency situations. And then we'll say, well, that's a different to our scenario. Because here we're talking about how the Kohanim should behave every single week when they did their rounds on early Shabbos morning. So maybe logic says, well, if there's another way that they could do their rounds without having to break a shvuz, we would prefer not to set up a system that consistently breaks a shvuz. Maybe that's the answer. But that's not a good enough explanation based on another halacha. We have an example where you see that at the normal course of events includes in the Beis Hamikdash breaking a shvus. What example is that? Let's say that Erev Pesach was Shabbos, and now everybody is bringing their Korban Pesach on Shabbos, and one of the things that they have to do is they have to skin the animals. So the halacha is that the normal stands that you would suspend the animals from in order to remove their skins, you use on Shabbos, even though typically you shouldn't. Even though there are alternatives, like for example elsewhere where the Gemara talks about suspending the animal between the shoulders of two people or if there are not enough frames to go around. Now that's going to happen on a regular basis. 
ודורך הכלואים אשר פסח של איוס בשבת נחשב כערי, כן שזוהי כפיר שבוא רק מזמן לזמן, ומאיבי יכול להתרשם את זה ולהגיד, אבל זה לא כל שנה, כי מלטיפול, מוסט שנים, ערב פסח לא נחשב בשבת, אבל הפקט היא שזה סיסטמי, זה רגילה. Whereas the examples we were using, a Kohen Gadol who happens to doze off, a Kohen Gadol who happens to be elderly, are far less frequent. And so we don't yet have a compelling reason just to say, because something happens regularly or because that's the Seder, we would prefer not to transgress a shvus. So we're back to square one. Why is the Rambam insisting that they may not carry their torches when they're searching the, the uh, Beis Amikdash on Shabbos and have to rely on the lanterns that are on the walls? Now, before we get there, we're going to look at two other things that stand out in what the Rambam is telling us. In, these, in the section of Halachas, there are a couple other things to pay attention to. Number one, why are we discussing this conversation in this place? In other words, The Rambam is talking about that before things could start in the Beis HaMikdash every morning, the Kohanim had to do the sweep to make sure that everything was fine. Why is that being discussed in the section which is about guarding the Beis HaMikdash? Everything preceding this point belongs very comfortably in this parak. Because they're talking about the details of how the honor God around the Beis HaMikdash works. But the last two halachas... To check that everything in the Azorah is ready for business, the intention there is so we can start the daily service. That doesn't seem to be part of the conversation about how you guard the base Amigdash. Rather, this sounds more like how we prepare to get the day started to do the things that are required to do on a daily basis. In which case, really the most logical place where the Rambam should have discussed this is where he spoke about the daily service of the Tamid and other communal sacrifices like the Musaf and whatever else went on in the Beis Amikdash. That's where it belongs. In fact, he actually very briefly refers to it in that section. Why does it belong here in the section which is about how you guard the Beis Amikdash? And the second question is, The 11th and the 12th halachas over here really seem to be saying the same thing. Listen to the Rambam's words. This is the order that they used to do every single day. What is the order? What he just spoke about in the previous halacha. The only detail we get in the 12th halacha over the 11th. So the 11th halacha tells us that they had to search the base of English every morning. This 12th halacha tells us what they do on Shabbos. Why does the Rambam separate it into its own halacha? Because we know that the Rambam's setting up of his halachas and what goes into which paragraph was incredibly precise and intended to teach us very important lessons. So while these might seem like Minor points, they're actually going to have a lot to do with our understanding of what's going on. We have the Habi or and that understanding all starts with reminding ourselves why there are guards around the base Hamikdash in the first place. The Rambam starts this chapter by saying, We do not have security around the base Hamikdash because we're afraid, God forbid, of enemies. Why do we have them? It's out of respect to the base Hamikdash. In the Rambam's words, you cannot compare the dignity, the prestige of a palace that has a royal guard 
to a palace that does not. Now that's important information because when we say move on, from here we can deduce. Now that the Rambam has told us that the purpose of the guarding of the Beis Amikdash is to add dignity and prestige to the Beis Amikdash, now we know that whatever will be discussed in this chapter is on that theme, prestige of the Beis Amikdash, to be distinguished from service in the Beis Amikdash. Now we understand that the search, the, the rounds that the Kohanim would do in the mornings to make sure that everything in the Azura was as should be, is part of the prestige, part of the honor, the respect that you showed to the Beis HaMikdash. We care so much, we need to know that everything is functional. Which explains why these halachas are discussed in this chapter and not in a different section of Tmidin or Musafin. Because, yes, practically speaking, perhaps what the Kohanim were doing to check that everything is in working order was going to start off the service smoothly. But that wasn't their motivation. Their motivation wasn't to make sure that the Tamini Musaf and everything is going to run according to plan, but rather, they did this in order to give honor to the base Amigdash. What is the honor that we show the Beis Amikdash by guarding it? Why it shows so much honor is because if we constantly have people 24-7 guarding the Beis Amikdash, it shows that we don't want to ever lose focus on the Beis Amikdash at any time. The same theme and motivation accompanies this early morning search of the Beis HaMikdash. Every single morning, everybody goes, everybody checks the, the Beis HaMikdash. And what happens? They are showing how much we care about the Beis HaMikdash, which is the theme. And that actually fits very beautifully with the language that the Kohanim would have to use to report back to each other that everything was in order in the morning. They would say, Shalom HaKol Shalom. Peace, everything is at peace. They did not use language that would have been better suited to saying the Beis HaMikdash is ready for action. Kagoyin, for example, saying, Hakol Bimkoimoi, everything is where it belongs. Or Hakol Karooi, everything is fine. Okay, yes, it was. Because their Loshan shall cover it by saying, Shalom, the place is a beautiful place. The place is a peaceful place. This is how we show again the prestige and the honor that we're giving to the Beis Amikdash. So, now that we understand the distinction between things that are done in the Beis Amikdash out of honor and respect for the Beis Amikdash versus things that are done in the Beis Amikdash as part of the service in the Beis Amikdash, we can answer the question that we have raised on what the Rambam had said. To get there, we're going to use an example of the nace, the miracle of Hanukkah. We know that there's a whole question about the oil that they found, the miracle of the oil of Hanukkah. Because the Yevonim had contaminated all of the oil that was in the Heichal, and then they came, the Chashmonoim and their people. They searched. They only found a single little vial of oil that was still sealed with the Kohen Godel's seal. And they knew there's only enough oil there to light the menorah for a single day. And a great miracle happened, as we know, and the oil continued to light for eight days. There's a well-known question that many of the commentators and even halachic authorities ask. 
There's an opinion in the Gemara that tells us that if the entire community is impure, we overlook that impurity and go ahead with temple service anyway. So with that opinion, why does the Abish have to make a miracle for this oil to last for eight days? They were permitted, halachically, to light the menorah with their impure oil because if there's no alternative, Tumah is overridden by the community. So the, the beautiful explanation, it's, it's really a beautiful explanation, it goes like this. Yes, they had license to be able to use impure oil because that, that's the halacha. They did a miracle not because they needed the miracle to fulfill the halachic requirements of lighting the menorah. Hashem did the miracle to show how much He loves and cherishes us. That's why He made the miracle. They wish to wanted to help us that we shouldn't have to rely on what halacha permits in case of emergency to light with impure oil. In other words, I say merits. The fact that halacha allows us to use impure oil in these emergency circumstances. That's relevant to us. Can we do what Hashem wants or not? Is the oil impure and therefore we can't do what Hashem wants? No, it's hutra. You're permitted to use the oil even though it's impure. That's with regards to checking the boxes, doing what Hashem wants. But in in order to express how cherished we are to Hashem, the Eivishter wants to avoid any contamination, even if it's halachically allowed. So in other words, we can distinguish between what is necessary for us to serve Hashem and what shows the beauty of our relationship with Hashem. The same applies over here to the Beis HaMikdash. If the Koyhanim every morning checking the base Amigdash was yet another component of how the service in the base Amigdash works. Oh yeah, I feel, oh, either was just something they did generically. Oh yeah, I feel Chedek Malvoidus Amigdash or part of that, the service. And I'll say, Choladin, and Shwas Amigdash. And we'll say, well, halakhically, you are halakhically permitted to do something which is only a Shwas on Shabbos if it's in the base Amigdash. The Rambam says it's a green light. There is no restriction. But now that the Rambam has told us that the reason we do this search is not to facilitate service in the base Amigdash, or not just to make sure, you know, for pragmatic reasons that everything is where it should be, but as a sign of showing how much we cherish and value the base Amigdash, to emphasize how much respect we show the base Amigdash, so we understand that when a person is supposed to stand in awe and respect to the base Amigdash, it's not respect for the building, but rather for the one who dwells in the building. So the honor that you show to the base Amigdash is honor to Hashem. Out of the, the, the love that we have for our relationship with Hashem, yes, technically, halachically, we could override the shvus in order to do what Hashem wants because this is the base Amigdash, but we don't want to set the system up in that way where we have to break even a shvus. We just want to do what shows our love for Hashem. Now we understand why this particular detail, that on Shabbos we did, or the Kohanim did the search differently to the rest of the week, 
Number one, Aleph Mekoma Bechos Beis Abechira does not belong in the laws of the daily service because it's not about the service. It belongs in the laws of the Beis Amikdash because it's about how much we cherish the Beis Amikdash. And Ubeis Behal Nikva Balocha Bifnatsma. It needs its own paragraph, its own halocha, its own intention. Because it accentuates how much respect and honor we are showing to the base Amikdash, much more than we would have seen in, in, in through other activities. In other words, First, the Rambam tells us every single day the Kohanim scoured the Azara to make sure everything was pristine. Out of respect for the base, I mean, just that's the first halacha that he tells us. Then he gives us halacha yud base. Then he gives us another halacha because that takes it all to another level. How do we search the base amigdash every day in the best possible way? The best possible way is we do not rely on on a heter. We do not rely on a halachic loophole. We rely specifically on candles that were lit before or lanterns that were lit before Shabbos. So we're not doing something which is technically halachically compliant, but really not the best way to serve Hashem. And that's why the Rambam concludes the end of Hechos Beis Abechira with this message. Where he's talking about the great respect and honor we give to the Beis Amikdash. Because he's built himself to an apex of how much respect and honor do we show to the Beis Amikdash. That the conduct we have in the Beis Amikdash is the very highest level of preciousness and cherishing what, uh, you know, that this is Hashem's home. We can even take it a step further. It's fascinating that when it comes to understanding what may or may not be done on Shabbos in the Beis Amikdash, there are two what appears to be contradictory principles. And that is, as we've already learned, anything which is part of the regular service, communal service in the Beis Amikdash, the daily Tamid offering, the Musafin offering, etc. Not only do we have a special dispensation that you're allowed to slaughter animals and prepare them on Shabbos because they're for sacrifices, and the Af Mitzvah, it's a special mitzvah. The Musaf Shabbos is a special mitzvah. The Tamid on Shabbos is a mitzvah. Yet on the other hand, yet on the other hand, while the Beis Hamikdash is operating in a way that ignores things that are restrictions of Shabbos in the rest of our lives, yet on the other hand, the construction of the Beis Hamikdash cannot override Shabbos. Actually, the Mechilta learns it from our parasha. The order in which the parasha works. First, Moshe tells us about the restrictions of Shabbos. Then he tells us about the responsibility to build the Mishkan. Telling us that what? Those are the things that you may not do on Shabbos. As holy as it is to build a home for Hashem, it does not override Shabbos. So how do we, how do we understand this paradox? You can't build any component of the Mishkan or the Beis HaMikdash on Shabbos, but the entire service runs on Shabbos. The explanation is Once the base Amikdash is made and now we have a full functioning holy space to accommodate godliness. And now we have a question. Inside the framework of the space Amikdash there's a particular component which is possibly 
what you can't do on Shabbos. We say, Yes, slaughtering an animal might be a weekday activity, but not in the base amygdala. This is a holy place. It's now a holy activity. It is completely different to how a person slaughters an animal for their own lunch. When you're in a holy environment, everything is holy. Nothing is mundane. And therefore the same action inside that space does not desecrate Shabbos because it's not a mundane action. That's once the Beis HaMikdash is complete. But when you're building the Beis HaMikdash, and now you're creating that holiness in the first place, there's no way you could build a place of holiness by desecrating Shabbos. So before it's a place of holiness, it's a desecration of Shabbos to do those activities. Once it's a place of holiness, those are no longer mundane activities. It's no longer desecration. And we'll link that back to the, to the miracle of Hanukkah from the perspective of Adam Mephorshim. The reason why the community at that time was not in a position to rely on the heter to be able to bring oil which is impure because everybody's impure or all the oil is impure. Because they weren't simply lighting the menorah. They were re-inaugurating the Beis HaMikdash again and if you're now generating fresh, new Kedusha, you cannot say, we override Tumah. No, we don't yet have that power. To the contrary, it's got to be pristine and sterile of any kind of impurity so that we can create that place and environment of Kedusha. The same principle will apply to those Shfus restrictions on Shabbos. When did the Chachamim permit us to override their restrictions that they placed on Shabbos? If what you're doing is part of the service in the base Amigdash, then there's no Shavuz. But if the activity that you're doing is building the base Amigdash, now we're not talking about building as in construction. We're talking about building up the greatness, the dignity, the prestige of the Beis HaMikdash. The Chachamim did not permit us to override their restrictions. Because whatever the Chachamim made is similar to the restrictions of Torah. The Torah does not allow us to do Melacha while building the Beis HaMikdash. And therefore we cannot build it on Shabbos. Likewise, the Chachamim did not allow us to do a Shavuz in anything that is building up the Beis HaMikdash. Which means... If we are generating the holiness of the Beis HaMikdash or bolstering the, whole, the existing holiness of the Beis HaMikdash, we may not do so using a method that requires the loophole of, well, this restriction of Shabbos is not going to apply in this place. So now, going back to one of the things we asked earlier, so why does the Rambam go through all of these details about the honor and prestige and guarding of the Beis HaMikdash, specifically in the, 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 the environment of Hilchus Beis HaBechira? And similarly, in Mishnah, we see that where do you find about where all the Kohanim and Levim were stationed around the Beis HaMikdash? In Mishnah, in Midos, which is actually the part of the Mishnah that describes the structure and architecture of the Beis HaMikdash. And not exclusively in the parts of Halacha that describe what happened in the Beis HaMikdash. 
Nisboy b'mokim acher. That the, the Rebbe explains in that sicha in Chedikut Gimel. The mitzvahs binyan amikdash achiv ena poula sabinyan ela teitzoa sapoula an nifal. So when it comes to building the base amikdash, this is just a summary. When it comes to building the base amikdash, there's no mitzvah of construction. The mitzvah is that there should be a base amikdash at the end of the construction. As the as the Ragachov explains in great detail. So therefore, the laws about how you guard and show honor to the base Amigdash belong in the section about the building itself. Because by guarding and looking after the base Amigdash, that ensures that there should be a base Amigdash. Bias shall cover and it should be a place of prestige. Mokim Roy the place that is suitable to be Hashem's home. Menimtso, which tells us. Yes, it's part of the daily service of the Koyhanim examining the base Amigdash each morning. We now understand that that wasn't just to facilitate the rest of the service that would happen in the base Amigdash during the day. It is the perpetuation of building the base Amigdash, in others, ensuring that the building should be there. This search or examination that they would do is similar to the term that we use for the maintenance of the base Amigdash, because that's what they're doing. They're maintaining the building in its state of prestige. Because their daily examination adds to the beauty and value of the base Amigdash. And that will explain why it is Right at the beginning, when we asked the question on the Rambam, what about Ein Shvus Bamigdash? Why are you insisting that they cannot carry their torches? This examination of the base Amigdash constitutes building a base Amigdash. And the Torah told us clearly that building a base Amigdash may not override the restrictions of Shabbos. Therefore, the Chachamim, who always established their legal process to be like that of Torah, that the search or the examination of the Beis Amikdash in the morning may not overcome or override their restrictions that they placed on us for Shabbos, which is called Shavuos. Okay, so what do we understand now is that the service in the Beis Amikdash is one thing, but the searches and the covered and the guarding of the Beis Amikdash does not belong in that category. It's part of how you actually ensure that the Beis Amikdash exists, which is part of building the Beis Amikdash, which cannot override Shabbos. Let's think that right back to the beginning of Hilchas Beis Abichir. Let's link the end to the beginning of the uh, of the laws of the Beis Abichir, the notes, because as we well know, the principle is that the end of every process is wedged right back into the beginning of how the process began. The Rambam defined for us right at the beginning what the mitzvah of building a home for Hashem is. He says the mitzvah is to make a home for Hashem, not to construct a home for Hashem. That teaches us the Rambam's perspective. The Rambam is not defining the mitzvah as the proactive construction of the building, but rather the resulting structure that will be there, the building. I'll call that Pratim Shabbat, and then of course all the details of what that building requires in order to, to fulfill the requirements of being the base Amikdash. 
That same theme and perspective is then echoed, echoed again at the end of Hilchas Beis Abichira. May high time a canal for exactly that reason. That's why the guarding and examining the Beis Abichira is part of the laws of the building, not part of the laws of the service. Until he concludes it right at the end of the section, seeing as this shmira samikdash is a detail, a, seg- a, 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 a segment of how you facilitate the building, it cannot override Shabbos, not even the rabbinic restrictions of Shabbos. So that link between the beginning and the end of Hilchas Beis Abichira from a spiritual perspective actually gives us a magnificent lesson. The Rebbe has explained numerous times. Yes, of course, by building the Mishkan, by building the two Bate Mikdash, we fulfilled Hashem's mitzvah, which was that we should make a home for Him. It wasn't perfect. It was not the ultimate construction. And of course, the, the proof of that is that we don't have them right now. But the perfect version of the Beis Amigdash, that will only happen when the third Beis Amigdash that the Eibishter establishes will be the third eternal Beis Amigdash. Now, knowing that, knowing that we only build a base amigdash that doesn't last, and it's totally up to Hashem to build a base amigdash that does last. So that's the reason. That's why the Rambam concludes his laws of base abechira, talking about how the Kohanim would examine the base amigdash to make sure that everything's fine on a Shabbos specifically. The Rambam is, what's he alluding to? The Rambam is alluding to the fact that when will we have a real base Amikdash as Hashem intended it, without any restrictions, without any possibility of destruction, when? Only in the future, in the long eternal Shabbos of Moshiach. Now that could leave us feeling a little despondent. If the ultimate base Amikdash is only going to happen when Moshiach comes, and that's the Ebishter's handiwork, so what are we really contributing? Do we really have anything of value to, to give to the Eibishter? As though say that, the Rambam says, don't make that mistake, don't fall into that Yetzirah trap. Look at this. On the night of Shabbos, the Kohanim do not carry their own light. But instead, they searched the Beis HaMikdash using the lanterns that were already burning from before Shabbos. The message, At that time where it is complete Shabbos in the world, There's no more light to generate. Not the candles of mitzvahs, not the light of Torah. As the Pasuk says, that is a time where people will say, I don't have the same drive like I had before. Because there's no challenge. And the light that will illuminate the time of Moshiach. We don't carry torches in our hands in the time of, the, of Moshiach. We rely on the candles that were lit before Shabbos. In other words, the mitzvahs we've done now will illuminate the time of Moshiach. In other words, Ashlemos. What makes the third Beis so perfect and pristine is that in the third Beis we will then recognize and see the value of what we have done now. 
our efforts and investment during the period of Golos. But Dovah said, knowing that, should encourage and enthuse us to work harder on making our own personal base amigdash. That the wants to live within us. In other words, we'll be inspired. I am now lighting the fire that will illuminate the time of Mashiach. I should put in more effort. And that is that will hasten the rebuilding of the third base of the coming of Mashiach immediately now.